eyes, Lord, that you make way, Lord, that everything that's impossible for man, Father, for you, nothing's impossible, Father God. We ask you, Lord, that you open, Father, the jobs, Father, open, Father, finances, Lord, Father. We ask you that you open, Father, any blessing, any door, Lord, Father, to your children, Father God. Father God, we put everything in your precious hands. We bless these tithes and offerings that we give it to you in a spirit of joy, a spirit of thanksgiving to you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says this morning, amen and amen. Praise God. And brothers and sisters, I will be leaving the place, amen, to our pastor this morning. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good. Can you say amen? Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Thank you, honey bunny. God is good. Amen. Praise Him with your, with your hands, with your voice. And you know what? We praise God with our presence. Amen. Uh, I have the scripture up there. Amen. And we have it over in uh, Psalms uh, 133. The scripture that my wife read at the beginning. Amen. Uh, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I don't know if you've been keeping up, amen, with, uh, with the sermons I've been talking about, but unity is one of the weapons we use against Satan. Can you say amen? We know and we understand that uh, the scripture says that a house divided against itself, it will not prevail. And we have been talking about the levels we have to elevate ourselves to defeat the enemy. Can you say amen? Amen. But today I'm going to continue and this is going to be the closing sermon for what we've been talking about, about facing the enemy from a higher position. Can you say amen? This is going to be the last portion of the sermon and from there on we're going to go into a different topic next Sunday. But uh, to recap, my brothers and sisters, I'd like to speak to you and continue because last week I, I didn't finish with the with the levels that we need to, to elevate ourselves to so that we can defeat Satan, so that we can defeat the enemy, amen? And I'd like to continue because we left off in, uh, in step number seven, I believe. But just to kind of recap on those levels that I was talking to you about, uh, just to recap a little bit, I'm just going to mention them real quick because it's important that we understand that because some Christians and even us, we continue... To have a hard time heading to the top. You know, living a Christian life, it, it takes work. It takes effort so that we can climb that mountain. Remember, we talked about using the Word of God as our anchor. You know, as we are climbing up, we begin to get tired. And as we get tired, we use our sword as an anchor to continue climbing up. But at the same time, it is ready to use it as a weapon if any wild animal or metaphorically speaking, if any demon or evil spirit comes, we fight with the word of God. Can you say amen? And we had been talking about, brothers and sisters, on how, on how the levels that we must elevate ourselves to. Last week, I told you about number one, our salvation. That's the first level we need to make sure we pass. And then we set number two, our position in Christ. And we already know our position in Christ, brothers and sisters, is sons and daughters of God. And the third level is to be that, that we are disciplined as Christians. That is the third level that we are disciplined as sons and daughters of God. And then we talked about faith. And then number five was praise and worship. Right now, we did it all alone without music, which is beautiful. And I remember one time I talked to you praise and worship. 
I talked to you about how praise and worship is spiritual warfare weapon. That is how we fight spiritual warfare because the enemies cannot resist. The enemy cannot resist when the people praise God. Can you say amen? And we talked about also how the sixth level we need to elevate ourselves to is unity with believers. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This is a level that we must complete so that we can defeat evil spirits in our minds, evil spirits that come to our lives. Brothers and sisters, and we left off on step number seven when we said that we must use the Bible as an anchor and also as a sword. But then it was getting a little late, so I didn't finish, but I want to continue. I want to continue this topic, brothers and sisters, because we need to understand what are the levels that we must elevate ourselves to defeat the enemy. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for your word and your love. Father God, this morning we just ask that you help us. Father God, we make our hearts receptive to your word and we rebuke any negative spirit of Satan and we cancel any contract he had against your people today. And Father God, we declare that you are in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people say, Amen and Amen. So we continue to talk about this topic on what are the levels we must elevate ourselves to so that we can defeat our struggles, so that we can defeat Satan, so that we can defeat sin. Can you say amen? So last week we left off on we got to use the Word of God as an anchor and as a weapon. But number eight would be to die. Perhaps some of you might say, what do you mean to die? We'll, we'll find this in the book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And this is the eighth step to die. In other words, I no longer live. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. So this is why this is another level that we must elevate ourselves to. If you want to defeat temptation, sin, demons, evil thoughts in your mind. Brothers and sisters, that we must die to our old selves. That we are crucified with Christ. This is what it means to be a Christian. Remember when Jesus said, If any of you want to be my followers, take your cross and follow me. That means that you go against the desires of your flesh. This is a reason why real Christians that are dead to their carnal being. This is the reason why real Christians are supposed to be, say with me, emotionally strong against anything considered an offense. Can you say amen? This is why today when I see a pastor being, uh, when, when I see any preacher or any Christian being offended by anything, it shows how we need to be truly in the presence of God. Because what does it mean to die? This is my eighth step. We need to die to our old selves. Well, if you used to do certain things that, that were wrong unto the eyes of God, you die to that. 
You know, when you used to think a certain way, you change your thoughts because now you have crucified that thought that you loved and you hugged so much and you put it into the hands of God. Can you say amen? To die to our old selves is to give up to our dreams even. Can you say amen? So this is why Christians who are crucified with Christ, who live alive in Christ are tough, or at least we are supposed to be tough. We are supposed to be strong emotionally, that nothing can come between you and your relationship with God. Yet we see it every day. Many Christians stop coming to church because they felt offended because perhaps a brother or a sister was having a bad day and didn't say hello at the church or didn't answer a phone call or perhaps something happened and you feel offended and you stop going to church and you stop seeking the presence of God. This is a very important step we must pass so that we can defeat the evil spirits. How can we defeat the evil spirits if we get offended by a kid at church? We're definitely going to be offended and destroyed by Satan. So brothers and sisters, in another way also, this is why nowadays we are living the, the times of social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. This is why in a Christian, comments, critics on social media should not offend them. Can you say amen? As Christians, we should not allow critics or offenses on social media to, to take part whether we go to church or not. Because a lot of people say, oh, you know what? Somebody made a bad comment about me on Facebook. I don't feel good to go to church today. They're right. Because let me tell you, Satan does not only put thoughts in your mind. Satan puts thoughts in the minds of others, of other people. This is how we fight spiritual warfare. Remember the scripture says that our fight is not against flesh or blood. It is not against that. what the outcome looks like you are still walking by faith can you say amen and it continues to say I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me Christians are to be crucified with Christ you and I should be living a life crucified with Christ a Christian life that's what it means you walk with your cross and you are crucified along with Christ because you are dying to your old self. You are rejecting that you don't want to be in that. You are accepting of the love of the Father. You are accepting of that cross. Amen. I no longer live. Nothing hurts me. 
when you live according to Galatians 2.20, you can say, nothing hurts me. You can say, nothing will affect my walk with God. When you live according to Galatians 2.20, you can say, nothing takes away my position as a son and daughter of God. Nothing. Yet today, because many people have not passed this level, something, they were uh, rejected perhaps. Perhaps they were, they were, como se dice, I'm trying to find the word, upset they were unsatisfied and because of that it affected their relationship with God and they left they stopped seeking the presence of God but when you no longer live now you live in Christ and nothing can hurt you nothing comes between you I've known many people you know I've seen so many people throughout the years I've been working in the ministry of the Lord, I've seen people on how one offense was all it took for them to go into the world and say, why should I be in church? It's filled with hypocrites. One offense was enough for them to leave the church, to live the presence of God. And then you see them many years later, deep into sin, living a sinful life, living a life of destruction, not because God wanted it to, but because they were not living according to Galatians 2.20. They were not living in Christ. They were living according to their own desires. They were living only according to what they wanted to. But when you live in Christ, when you live in Christ, nothing will separate you. Not even death. Not even persecution. That is why the ultimate test of a Christian, that is why the ultimate test of a son and daughter of God is when you are in a position of choosing between death or life. Choosing between reject your God or die. Many Christians pass this test in other countries. Perhaps in the United States, we have not yet experienced what martyrs around the world experience. When they have a gun pointed at their kids, or when they have a gun pointed to their own heads and saying, all you have to do is reject Jesus. All you have to do is to stop believing and declare that you have no faith in Jesus and we'll let you go. This is why the ultimate test, my brothers and sisters, is that we are willing to give up even our own lives and even our own dreams. Can you say amen? That is why martyrs like that in India, in China, in all kinds of countries where it is prohibited to preach the gospel, many of them are killed, imprisoned, tortured. But they understand Galatians 2.20, that they no longer live. Now they live in Christ. And this is the same way you and I should live. Even though we have the commodities in this country that we can praise, that we can serve our Lord freely. We should be thankful to the Lord. Can you say amen? Nothing will come between me and God. 
And this takes me to the ninth level we must pass so that we can defeat the enemy. And this is keep a clear boundary with the world. Sometimes keeping a clear boundary with the world will mean keeping a clear boundary with people that encourage us to befriend the world. Keeping a clear boundary between you and the world sometimes means keeping boundaries with people that encourage you to love and accept sinful thoughts. Can you say amen? In the book of James, chapter 4-4, and I'm going to be reading it in both King James Version, and I'm going to be reading it in the New International Version. Amen. The book of James. The New International Version says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This is why when we try, this is why we got to be careful about today's message through politics and through liberal Christianity. When you hear about compassion and love and tolerance, we must remember that the scripture says that we must be careful not to befriend the world. To be compassionate and to be lovable does not mean to befriend sin, to befriend desires of the flesh. James 4.4 says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I have a question for us today. What gives us position of sons of God? What gives you ladies positions of daughters of God? What is it that gives you that position? What is it that gives us all that position that we can be called the children of God? I'll tell you. That we keep a clear boundary with the flesh. With our own flesh. That we keep a clear boundary with the desires of our flesh. That we keep a clear boundary with the desires of the world. Think about it just for a moment. What does the world desires? What does the world desire that everybody wants to accept? There are all kinds of things that the world desires to progress. They call it progressive. They call it progressiveness. But as Christians, we must always be careful because this is where spiritual warfare tends to tell how mature and how much Bible you know. Yes, of course. The Lord God has always shown compassion. The Lord God has always shown tolerance and love and forgiveness. And He has always accepted people. And He has always accepted criminals when they come to repentance. This is why the scripture talks about repentance. 
If you analyze and you look into a biblical dictionary and maybe even perhaps the Webster's Dictionary, if you try to find the word repentance, it will probably give you this description. Repentance means to change the way you think. And according to James 4.4, if we are not willing to change the way we think according to our own flesh and our own desire, then we are befriending the world. And when we befriend the world, we are basically befriending Satan. Can you say amen? amen? So what gives us position as children? That we keep a strong boundary with the desires of our flesh, with the desires of our world. A scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. This is 1 John. It says, For everything in the world, it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride. Oh, the pride. <laughs> you see, society today wants people to be prideful of sin. I've always said it. Any kind of sin. All kind of sin. You see, at work, I talk to men that say, Oh, I drink and I am proud of it. I am a drunkard. You see, a position of a child of God means that you are ashamed when you fail God. Can you say amen? When I was a child, if I did something I knew was wrong and that I, I, it offended my parents, I didn't feel proud of it. Why should we feel pride when we are doing something that our flesh desires? Can you say amen? The scripture says in 1 John 2.16, For everything in the world, say with me, everything. It says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Some of us sometimes are prideful that we have money, that we have a good job. Some of us are sometimes prideful that we are not living in a good condition, uh, in a bad condition like others, but let us be watchful. Let us be watchful not to fall into pride because it continues to say, 1 John 2.16, comes not from the Father, but from the world. I could tell you right now, even if as a pastor, an emotion comes in me and says, I am proud of the way I've been preaching. I know and I must understand that I must be careful because I can fall into sin even if I'm prideful of being a pastor. The same way that pride parade is sinful, it is the same way that a pastor being prideful of his accomplishment is also sinful. The same, you see, pride can be anything. I joked the other day just saying and talking about soon we're going to have a, a pride parade month or a pride month for every sin. Imagine if we have a pride parade for adulterers. Imagine if we have a pride month for, for fornicators. Imagine if we have a pride month for, for prostitutes. Imagine if we have a pride month for killers. Can you imagine? Now, we go back into the scriptures. Our Lord and our God is lovable. Our Lord and our God is willing to forgive our Lord and our God is willing to take us into His hands as children of God. The thing is, are we going to accept? Remember when I gave you the example of the foster care system? In order for, a, for, a, for an orphan to be happy with his new adoptive parents, he must be accepting of his new adoptive parents. Can you say amen? 
But if, if, he's not, if he doesn't accept and he rebels, he's going to live a tough life. This is the same way with us. Remember the scripture from last week. What manner of love the God, that God has bestowed upon us that we can be called children of God. But when we become children of God, we continue to elevate and, and, and pass these levels of holiness. Can you say amen? So we must keep this boundary. Sometimes we take a peek into the world. And let me tell you, I've seen a lot of Christians that take a peek into the world. Because it's an emotional battle. Am I the only one that thinks this way? Right now it's emotionally hard, you know, for Christians to try to, to love to love and, to, and, and have compassion. It's, it's a little bit hard. And sometimes because they take a peek into the world. They begin to desire those things. You see, I've seen it all over. I'm going to say it because you've probably seen it already. You've seen pastors all of a sudden kneeling down to a black man. <laughs> or, a, or a pastor telling their congregants, repent of your racist skin. Or you see, because sometimes we take a peek into the world And we begin to desire those things. And then sometimes we even start to desire the things that we used to do when we were in the world. We start to desire them again. And if we stay there long enough, brothers and sisters, just enough. Staring at what you used to live at. Uh, of what you used to do. Staring into the world and at the same time staring at everything. All the new trends going on. The more you stay there, just looking, you're going to start desiring it. You're going to start wanting it. This is a level we have to pass, my brothers and sisters. If we stay there too long, we might fall. And it takes me to level 10. What other level we need to pass so that we can have complete authority over Satan? Complete authority over the devil. And this is the unconditional love. Yes, the unconditional love of the Father. When we are at this level, we know it because, let me tell you something. When we think of the people we love, we come to love him more. How many of you have experienced that? You think of somebody you love, your mom, your dad, your children, your beloved family. You think of them and you love them more, right? That is a sign that you are passing this test of the unconditional love of the Father. Because you love your mom no matter what. You love your son no matter what. Can you say amen? But also, part of passing this level also means when we remember even our enemies... Instead of feeling more hate towards them as we think of our enemies, we experience love. We experience compassion. We experience the unconditional love emotion that the Father has for us. We begin to feel it even for our enemies. Can you say amen? The question is, are we at this level? Are we at this level? What do we think when we think of people who have hurt us? What comes to mind? Oh, I hope they live in the worst time of their life. You know, 
And sometimes because we are flesh, we are going to tend to have those thoughts. This is why the scripture says that God did not give us a spirit of cowardness, but a spirit of love, power, and self-control. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 43 through 45, Jesus talking about this, about this level. Matthew 5, 43 through 45. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Are we at this level? Amen. When I see a pastor I don't agree with. Or when I see a politician that I don't agree with. Because has no biblical morals or standards. As a Christian, if I want to know I am at this, I am at this level, I am going to feel compassion. I will share a personal story with me, uh, a personal story with you about when President Biden first entered the White House. You know, as any Christian, as any Bible-believing Christian, you were a little bit sad. You were expecting a different, uh, you know, a different outcome in the elections. But then I remembered. That God said, pray even for those who oppress. You see, because for your information, as Christians, we need to seek for the elevation of the Bible, for the elevation of religious freedom. And so we have a new president that doesn't support much religious freedom. That in fact, that particular party attacks Christianity time and time again. But then, as the scripture says, sometimes we have to have self-control because by either side, you can overreact. And I remember I was just watching the news one time and they were recording the White House at the front lawn and, and uh, President Biden was just walking around with his dog and everything. And though I don't agree with a lot of political views of him, I saw him and it was barely his, within his first days in office And I felt compassion and love, actually. Because I remembered how the previous president, there was nothing by, but hate towards him on behalf of the people that didn't agree with him. This is the level that we must pass as Christians, that we, can, that we are able to love even our leaders right now. It has gone, is, is, people have gotten carried away And they have not seen that they are falling into the same situation that our adversaries were at just a year ago. You see, I felt compassion and I felt I'm going to pray for that man. Lord, bless him and give him wisdom. Lord, surround him with people that can pray for him. Because the same way that our previous president was attacked by people that don't agree with him... This president will also be attacked, in my opinion, for many reasons that are biblical. Can you say amen? But I felt compassion and I realized, wow, this is how the love of God is. That you see somebody you don't agree with and that you think of them, 
Your flesh must be like, oh, yeah, he got it all wrong. But then your spirit says, pray for him. Have compassion for him. And that goes for anybody. Maybe a son, a daughter, a friend that thinks differently than you. In any other kind of view, whether it's politically, religiously, you have compassion towards them. You do not hate them. You see, this is the difference between tolerance, compassion in the way the, the scripture talks about, and love and tolerance the way the devil wants you to have love and tolerance. Remember, the scripture says, do not befriend the world because then you become an enemy of God. Can you say amen? You see, we must be very wise and very careful. Even I, you know, as, as a pastor, you know, I, I ask God, God, help me have wisdom because the times today are so crazy. Brothers and sisters, the Lord said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise and on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So brothers and sisters, this takes me to the 11th. The 11th step we need to pass so that we can defeat the enemy, so that we can have the advantage over him. And this is, we need to experience the presence of God, the glory of God. Have you experienced the presence of God, the glory of God in your life? Think about it for a moment. And only when we are at this level, we are ready to confront, to face Satan, to face our flesh desires. Because when we don't spend time in the presence of God, we come across temptation, we come across sin, and we're going to be defeated. We're going to want to comply to our emotions. But when we are in the presence of God, we experience the toughness, the resistance. You no longer feel attracted to sin. You no longer feel attracted to that you used to be attracted to when you were not in Christ. Can you say amen? In the book of Luke chapter 10. Got to make sure we have a lot of Bible for these kinds of topics. Luke chapter 10 Verse 19, it says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. The promise of this scripture, authority. It says that God gives us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And then it says, nothing will harm you. Only those who experience the presence and the glory of God have this advantage that God gives you authority. Remember, if you are not under the authority of the presence of God, you cannot have authority over the devil. You cannot have authority over demons when you're having nightmares at night or when you're having a panic attack and you begin to pray and nothing happens. It just gets worse. And that's when you call the pastor. Oh, pastor, I don't know what's going on. It just feels so bad right here. Can you come over and pray, please? You see, you want to have the, you, see, you don't have to be a priest or a pastor to have authority over evil spirits. 
Yet, because, because some people don't want to be in the presence of God, don't want to experience the glory of God, they do not have the authority. So this is what I mean when I say you don't have to be a pastor or a priest to, to cast out evil spirits. You don't. All you have to do is to pass time in the presence of God. Be in the presence of the Lord. Experience the glory of God. Only when you care for your spiritual life, you will have authority over the devil. Remember those guys that were trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus? Remember them? <laughs> that the devil spoke to them and said, hey, who are you? I know Jesus, but I don't know who you are. So the scripture says, I give you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. How do I know that I am at this level? I was thinking about that and I wasn't too sure of, of uh, how to explain it. But how do I know I am at this level that you will experience the glory and the presence of God? How do I know? Because I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave the presence of God. Once I am in the presence and in the glory of God, I don't want to live. I mean, I don't want to leave that place. Amen? When you experience love, you see, in the adoptive care system, in the foster care system, when a child finds a home where he finds love, Amen. No matter the economic situation on that family. But when a child finds happiness, is he going to want to leave that house? Of course not. Because he, he likes it. He loves it. He loves that they love him. Can you say amen? So when you don't want to leave the presence of God, that's when you know you have passed this level. You see, those who allegedly want to be in the world, Okay? Think about this because right now we're living political and, and, and church times that are crazy. Right now even the church is divided. But think about it this way. Those who allegedly want to be in the world. Amen. To preach have not gotten to this level. Let me tell you why. A true Christian doesn't want to leave the presence of God. Do you think the presence of God is in the world? Where everybody is just giving in to the desires of their flesh? You think the presence of God is there? Many Christians, many pastors today are doing that. You know, they, they are going, they, they are going with, with groups and they are trying to biblically support it and they are trying to, to preach allegedly. But see, let me tell you, the scripture says that when you befriend the world, you become an enemy of God. We got to be very, very careful. I told the black friend the other day, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. I saw a video of a, of a pastor that was uh, trying to give in in this way I am telling you about. I am sorry if I'm taking a little bit longer, but I saw a video of a pastor in the church He brings up a black man from within his church and he brings him on stage and he puts a bucket of water. And, and then he begins to give this racial speak, speech of about how he is guilty of his color and he is oppressed of his color. We all know the history. Yes, we do. But 
See, when we try to adapt to the things that the world wants people to think, oh, we're going to find ourselves in, in, in a big problem. You see, this pastor made a big old scene washing his feet and saying how, how, uh, how he's oppressed and then he is privileged. And, and you know all this political talk in the church, which is crazy. And uh, you can see clearly the young black man was probably a little bit uh, embarrassed, but then at the same time he wasn't sure what was going on. But this is the thing, the Christian view from any race is you can do all things through Christ that strengthen us. Talking to fellow Hispanics, to fellow Mexicans. I say, hey, if somebody tells you that you are less than, the Bible says that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. The scripture says that all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, that is why I am telling you today a lot of churches are trying to befriend the world to preach. But not to preach to them so that they can come to repentance and change the way they think. The Apostle Paul said once, make sure that if you're going to preach the word of God, that they convert to the word of God. That they convert to you, not you to them. And we have seen the churches, pastors, religious leaders changing to the way the world thinks. And, and that is when you see all this division, not only in politics, but also in church. So, so what does it mean if we pass this level? We need to experience the presence of God. You remember when Jesus was crucified between those two criminals... Remember, one received compassion and forgiveness and the other one didn't. What was the difference? Repentance, the change of mind. It is the same today. Brothers and sisters, isn't it important I talk about these things because people will get confused when they see a pastor associating himself with many political groups that are sinful according to the word of God. The scripture says that God hates pride. What does pride mean when you are prideful, when you don't care what people think anymore? That is not the Christian way. Even as a Christian, if I fail God every day, I am not proudful of it. Can you say amen? So this is why we need to experience the presence of God. So clearly, people that don't change the way they think, they clearly have not experienced the presence of God. You see, when God took the people of Israel out of slavery. The scripture talks about how a lot of the people within Israel, they still have that slavery mentality. And when God took them out of slavery in the desert, they were saying, oh, I wish I could have stayed in Egypt. Oh, it would have been best if I died at the house of Egypt. They were complaining on, on they rather live in slavery. And this is what's happening today with all that racial push. With all that divisiveness. They are trying to plant slavery mentality to many races. Not only blacks, but also Hispanics. You see, I recently told the Spanish community, the worst enemy of the Hispanic community here around El Paso is Telemundo and Univision. Because all they do is victimize them. <laughs> all they do is scare them. All they do is tell them, hey, you cannot do anything if the white man doesn't allow it. But the scripture says you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. The scripture says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. 
The scripture says that if you believe in God and that you seek first the presence of God and his righteousness, all the prosperity will be added unto thee. Can you say amen? Glory to God. We are living times that we have to be very, very careful not to idolize any politician. I would always say that though we supported our previous president, we have to be careful not to idolize him or any. Because they can fail us at any point. Can you say amen? So we need to experience the presence of God. If I go as a pastor and I go to a strip club and I try to make them feel comfortable with what they're doing and preach to them and tell them that God loves them, that, that's nice. But if I am not going to confront them and tell them, you know what, God can change your life. Of course, there are ways of speaking. You're not going to go yell at them and shame on you. No, no. You're going to go and like, hey, have you ever given it a thought that you have value? That body of yours, it has value. It's valuable. It costs the blood of Jesus. God can bring you out of that and give you what you need, what you desire. But if I go in there and, and, I, and, I, and I convert myself to them, I am really not doing nothing. Can you say amen? So how do I know that I am at this level when I don't want to leave the presence of God? When you are in church and then all of a sudden someone says, Hey, we're going to start uh, working on this group now. And I'm like, what do you mean what group? What, what's the purpose of it? Well, we're going to start doing this because we want to, we want to uh, befriend uh, uh, certain ideas that come from outside. Particularly, like I said earlier, churches are bringing politics inside the church. It's not good. You know, churches are bringing, you know, whether it's either, either conservative, Republican, or whatever, but they, when they bring them into church, you see, you have to make sure that you always have the backup scripture. And our jobs as Christians is to take the scripture and put it on a balance on political or religious ideas. Can you say amen? This is why when I said the people of Israel, they still have... A lot of them, they still had that slave mentality. That a lot of them were even saying, I would have rather die in Egypt than to be in the desert. Sometimes God takes us to the desert because he wants to liberate us. Can you say amen? And you know the story. Not all of them went into the promised land. The only ones that are going to go into the promised land are those that change the way they think. There's a beautiful song that says, I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer a slave to offenses. I am no longer a slave. You, you get the idea. That's what should be our message as a Christian. I tell a young Hispanic guy, hey, if you want to prosper in this nation, you will. As long as you don't have a victim mentality. But as long as you continue to have victim mentality, you're going to feel victimized all the time. I told uh, a boy we were training at work because he tends to always bring himself down and victimize himself and say, I can do it. I cannot do it. I don't know. And I told him, hey, I'm just going to give you a, 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 it's probably a tough advice, but it's going to be good for you. Stop victimizing yourself because then the more you do it, you will actually become a victim. But not of anybody, but of your own thoughts. Can you say Amen. Don't let the devil lie to us. Let us always go to what the scripture says. I am almost done, brothers and sisters. Those 
who allegedly want to be in the world to preach have not gotten to this level because they want to be there. The thing is, is that you want to be in the house of the Lord. Remember the shutdowns in 2020? I remember pastors and other brothers in Christ that were posting and saying, Oh, I want to be in the house of the Lord. I miss being in church because they experienced the presence of God. Because they experienced the presence of the Lord. And, and, and this is why we all experienced it. And we find a way to, oh, let's come to church. We, we were having drive through church. We were having the parking lot church. Because we wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. But there were many that, eh. They started getting all into politics. And all of a sudden you see them over there kneeling down. And, you know, doing all kinds of racism Uh, you know, activism and, and all crazy stuff, you know, just to bring somebody up and somebody down. Brothers and sisters, this is what it means that we must want to be in the presence of God first. Hallelujah. See, because God has mandated us to go into the world and preach, this is a different story. There is a difference when you want to go to the world and preach. That is why when the teenagers come to me and say, hey, pastor, you know, from the Spanish service, we should go to the clubs and preach, preach to, the, to the people in there, to the youngsters. I'm like, wait a minute. Why you, you want to go to the clubs to preach? Okay, it sounds noble, okay, but we got to be careful. You see, there is a difference between wanting to be in the world to preach and wanting to be in the presence of God and going into the world to preach because We have to because God mandates us as Christians to preach to the world. Now, when Christians preach to the world, we go with the power of the presence of God. You see, because brothers and sisters, this is the highest level because we already experience the presence and the glory of God. We don't want to leave it, but we go to the world because there is a mandate by God to preach to the world. That is why a real Christian preaches anywhere, anytime. At AutoZone, at the waiting room in the hospital. You see, uh, you preach when you're at the grocery store. Someone comes and you say, hi, God bless you. Has that ever happened to any of you? That somebody don't even know you and comes up to you? I'm so sorry, but are you Christian? It has happened to me. I don't know how they get it, but they see, I'm sorry, but are you Christian? Can you pray for me? I don't seek it. They come. Now, you see, now, but when we want to be there, it's because we haven't experienced the presence of God. Amen? Are we understanding? See, the presence of God, I am almost done, also applies to our dreams. How many of us have dreams? I have dreams. I have things that I want to accomplish. I have things that I want to happen in my life. We experience the presence and the glory of God when we die, remember? But sometimes we also have to die to our dreams. Oh, pastor, that's kind of harmful. Why would you say that? Yeah, well, it's because it's true. It's part of what the scripture says. To die, to crucify, to be crucified along with Christ, to carry your cross and follow Jesus. Yes. When you experience the presence and the glory of God, also means to die to our dreams. Many times, dreams come true 
only when we die to them. Have you ever heard of that slogan, that saying, hey, the more you look for it, you're not going to find it. And then when you stop looking for it, you're going to find it. <laughs> it happens. You see, when we desire the presence of God mostly in our lives, when we desire the presence of God more than anything else, even more than our dreams, even more than our desires, this is the highest level you have become, a strong spiritual Christian. This is the highest level because when we already experience the presence of God, you go now into the world with power and nothing can bring you down. Nothing can come between you and your relationship with God. Because you don't want to leave the presence of God. Because we experienced the glory of God. We don't want to leave it. Not even for our dreams. Some people leave church, stop believing in God to follow a dream. The scripture says that there are pathways that seem righteous to men. But then it only brings destruction. This is why we have to even sacrifice our own dreams, what we want to do. We just need to seek the presence of God above all else. And the greatest thing of all this is that you are going to be walking under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. When you have that self-control that not even your dreams depart you from God. And to finish, brothers and sisters, Matthew 6, verse 33. It confirms and it endorses what I've just said. It says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you as well. See, we we're singing a song right now, you give and take away. Yeah, that's true. God sometimes gives and takes away, but sometimes we take ourselves. We take stuff from ourselves. We take our own blessings away from ourselves sometimes too. Yeah, it happens. How are you going to know what's for you? How are you going to know to follow God's will? Have you, been, have you been spending time in the presence of God? How are you going to know that what you're doing is right? That your desire, your dream, what you want to accomplish. How do you know that what you're doing is right unto the eyes of the Lord? Well, you're going to know if you have been spending time in prayer. If you've been spending time in the presence of God. But if you have not been praying about it. If you have not been spending time in the presence of God to follow your dreams. Let me tell you, that dream is probably going to take you to destruction. Just like the way the book of Proverbs says. We got to really, really make sure, brothers and sisters, that we seek the kingdom, the presence of God above all else, everything else will be added onto it. Everything else. When you seek the presence of God, all of a sudden, hey, that dream you had, you had, it came true. Because you stopped seeking it. Because you stopped pursuing it. Let us rise up and let's pray unto the Lord. And, and I'd like to, to make a prayer. Amen. For each and every one of us. I'm going to invite you all to come here. Amen. To, to, the, to the altar. And maybe we can put the, the volume up a little bit with a little background music. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. 
Lord God, we thank you for your mercy, your love. We thank you, Father God, because it is your precious word and your spirit that directs our steps. Father God, we thank you because this is your scripture, Father God. It is your holy presence that directs us to the path of righteousness. Father God, right now I pray for each and every person in this place. Father God, I do not know what they might be going through, but Lord God, you know everything about them. Father God, you know everything about us. And Father God, I just pray, Father God, that you direct our steps. Father God, that you help us, Father God, embrace what we have learned this morning. Begin to ask the Lord for direction. Begin to ask the Lord to guide you. Begin to ask the Lord for forgiveness because one thing we should always do is to ask God to cleanse us, to forgive us from any unrighteous thought. Lord, cleanse our minds and help us see what you have for us. Father God, help us embrace and understand the sermon of today, of the different levels we have to pass so that we can have authority over Satan, so that we can have authority over the devil, so that we can have authority over sin. Father God, this morning, I place each and every one of these people's lives in your hands. And Lord, as I pass and I anoint them, I know that it is not me, it is not the oil, but Father God, I know that it is your presence that will, Father God, direct each and every one of them. Pray to the Lord, open your mouth and say, Father God, I am here in the name of Jesus, in your precious hands, Father God.